Hello and welcome to Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, single by choice, solo journey to parenthood, solo adventures or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. I just wanted to come on before we get into the next episode by thanking all of you for tuning in and listening to Solo Powered. We have now reached six continents and we have been listened to in many, many countries around the world. Uh, I have been blown away by the amount of messages and uh, comments and reshares of the various different episodes that have inspired people in lots of different ways. Um, Of course, my mission with this podcast is to try and encourage and empower people to live extraordinary lives by doing things on their own without feeling the need to have anyone beside them to push them or to do things that uh, they maybe feel that they are afraid to do by themselves Um, and actually this is a podcast that I'm hoping has already started to change some people's lives out there as I've had some incredible messages from people who have said as a result of listening to the podcast they've booked their first solo trip away or they've decided to launch their own business or indeed to change their attitude to being recently single or maybe even have a baby on their own. Um, it's really, really encouraging to know that so many of the listeners out there um, are embracing a solo life. So um, obviously this is a passion project of mine. I'm you know, so happy to be produced by the lovely Cassie and Tall Tale podcast who helps me with this. But we would really love for the podcast to continue to be successful. Um, you can help us to do that by hitting subscribe by commenting, by sharing, um, by posting uh, the the podcast to your own social media to encourage your followers uh, to listen as well. If the podcast has inspired you or if it's something that you've enjoyed listening to, then please share it far and wide because the bigger that this community grows, the more of these podcasts we can produce. And um, I'm just really, really uh, happy with how it's going. And I just wanted to come on and say thank you to you the listeners and hopefully long may it continue if you're interested in maybe working with me from a coaching perspective you can find me on arianadunn.com I'm also teaching coaching if that's something that you'd be interested in with mindstream.ie you can obviously pick up my coaching column in Irish Country Magazine as well but please do come and follow me on Instagram ask underscore arianadunn as well where I would love for you to engage and let me know what you think also if you have any suggestions of episodes of people maybe that you would like me to interview um, please send them my way um, all suggestions are welcome so once again thank you all so much and we'll kick into the next episode I'm so excited to have our next guest in the studio. Um, I actually was on a night out the other night and I met the amazing Paddy Smith and he said to me, 
what are we going to talk about? And I think I listed off about 20 different things that I think we could talk about on this podcast because Paddy is an incredible force of nature. So Paddy Smith is a disability rights activist. He's just released a incredibly thought-provoking and amazing documentary called Should I Be Fixed on the BBC. He shot to kind of fame in Ireland when he appeared on First Dates and I'm excited to talk to him about his single life at the moment and how he's enjoying all that the single life brings, particularly in Dublin. Um, he is also the winner of The Circle, which is a, a TV show in the UK which involves going into an apartment all by yourself uh, and conversing with people simply via a screen. So, so much to talk about from a solo-powered perspective and I'm so excited that the incredibly fashionable, fabulous and wonderful Paddy Smith is here to talk to us about all of that today. That was amazing, Ariana. Well done. (laughs) That was unbelievable. Thank you very much. Well, you're unbelievable. Um... So I always kind of like do that intro and then ask people to kind of talk to me in their own terms about how they got to sort of where they are. And I said to you the other night, I remember the first time I met you was at the Samsung event in the AMMA and you were there with your friends in the industry, uh, Rob Kenny and James Kavanagh, and you came out and we were chatting away and you're telling me all about how you were kind of a content creator. And so tell us a little bit about, I suppose, what it is that you do and how you... Yeah, I mean, I what a what a crazy question. I mean, what it is? Sometimes I don't know what I do. Sometimes I just <laughs> sometimes I just throw things at the wall and hope they stick. Um, but what I try to do, I suppose, is showcase that having a disability in the twenty first century doesn't have to hold you back, and being a disabled person and identifying as a disabled gay person can be can be like empowering and you can look at the world in a different point of view and that point of view deserves to have a voice yes you know and and I don't want us to be victims I want us to like go out and be partying and be part of society rather than always being segregated from society yes so I think that's really what I'm trying to do with everything on my social media is showcasing that Having a disability doesn't mean that you don't have to have a life. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you absolutely show that very well, Paddy. <laughs> because you look like you have a fabulous life from the the uh, the depiction of your social media. But um, tell us about sort of your, your, your childhood. Obviously, I know Rob Kenny was a guest on this podcast a couple of episodes back. You and him have been friends from a very young age. And yeah. uh, I think, I suppose, one of the big things that I'm trying to do, one of the missions with this podcast is to try and encourage people to get out there and do things on their own and a lot of people are afraid sometimes to do that and I was kind of thinking you know as someone who had a disability when you were younger and you know kind of maybe had to fight for that independence in order to go out and do things on your own would that would that be right? Yeah absolutely and um, you know I think that any parent that has a child with disability always feels fear of what's going to happen when I'm gone Mm. Um, but I also think that if anyone's listening to this and they do have a disabled child, remember that, like, disability breeds resilience and you have to be naturally resilient to be able to go through this world being different because mm. the world isn't built for people like me. Mm. It's built for people who are able-bodied, who are not in a minority, you know, and and we, I knew that from a really early age, mm. um, you know, and, and I, don't, I think we're not going to break, mm. you know, and no one will love me like I love me. Mm. 
You know, people mm. are like, who's gonna look? Who really? Who really? Who's gonna look after them? Mm. Or who's gonna look? My dad always like, who's gonna look after you when I'm gone? Right. Well, I'll look after me because no one will love me yes. like I love me. No one knows me like I know me. Yes, and I think that's a really impairing statement because when I said that to him, he was like, I never really thought about that before. Right, he was looking outside. Who's gonna look after me? I'll look after me. Yes, but that's kind of um, under not an underappreciation, but kind of underestimation. Yeah of what he thought I would be able to achieve um, gave me a fire to achieve. So a lot of things in my life until probably the last two years were just to prove him wrong. Really? Everything was just to prove. My whole drive in life was to just prove him wrong. Right. And to be, I felt so, like, trapped in his cotton wool that I would have done anything to get out of it. Right. You know, and you, I know you sort of touched on it in the documentary. Your mum passed away when you were younger, so yeah. And then your your dad passed away a couple of years ago, so yeah. you are effectively living that life now that they were probably so worried about. I know. I have a stepmom who is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, my mum passed away from cancer of the womb when I was five. Wow. Um. So she had cancer while I was inside her. So wow. you know, she made a decision to keep to not not get rid of the womb while I was pregnant with her. So that's always kind of a hard kind of crux of a narrative to to get through um but you know i also think that i don't really remember her either so sometimes i feel guilt around that right um and then my dad is a very old like very very old school he's born in the 1930s he had me in his 50s you know like his way of life is very different to what i am used to and his kind of idea of what disability was was very different to what it is now or being a gay person wasn't accepted back then. Yeah. So I had to understand how to walk in his shoes right. to empathise and maybe to change his point of view on certain aspects, do you know? And did you did you get on with each other? Or, I mean, when you say yeah. you're sort of proving him wrong, was it more proving him wrong from the sense of, I can do I can do things that you we, think I can't do? Well, I suppose, did we get on? We did, get, like, we loved each other, but it was very tempestuous, sure. do you know what I mean? yeah. And how young were you when you kind of uh, came out, as it were? Or, or God, I always knew I was different, Diana. Like, I always did. Like, and I always had a kind of flair for the dramatics. Like, when I was five, we went to my first holiday, and I couldn't really read at the time. And I really wanted to do karaoke, because I thought on holidays you have to do karaoke. <laughs> And I just wanted to be on the stage. Like you do. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I got my dad to teach me Molly Malone's song. Oh, wow. Because I couldn't read. Because at that time when you used to go to a, like a, a disabled school that was just like focused on disability, yeah. it wasn't about what disability you had. You were just kind of all thrown in together. So you could have a really severe disability and then you could have a mild disability and then you could have... In between, but you were all of you were together. Do you mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I didn't really learn much from my first eight years, like in terms of academically. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know how to read until I was like eight or nine. Right, do you know what I mean? Right. So when I went to mainstream school, I had to be held back a few years because I couldn't read or write okay. or it, so. Um, wow, and that's just purely because of the way the education is. In yeah. Terms of, wow. Well, I don't know if it's the same name, but back in the day when when I like they just didn't really know the concept or how to how to like put together disability or, wow. like you know um so yeah so he taught me how to he taught me the song <laughs> and on the plane i'm like 
Dad, I want to go toilet my own. Now I'm five at this. I'm five this time. Right. I'm like, I want to go toilet my own and be a big boy. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, okay. So I walk. He had me. In, he used to. He used to dress me in little white suits. <laughs> and um, I walk up to the air hostess and I'm like, hey, I was wondering would I be able to sing a song? <gasps> oh my god! And the air hostess is like, sorry. And I'm like, I was wondering could I sing a song, please? <laughs> And somehow I convinced her to to announce me over the intercom as as someone who's going to perform at the top of the plane. Oh and my then God. they're like, um, this little boy Patrick wants to sing a song and something. And I'm like, I take the intercom and I'm like, in Dublin's first city, where the girls. And my, my family and my sister just look over and it's full me in my white suit with like jam drawers on my face, bowler haircut. And I'm like, I've got this. Like, <laughs> my dad was like, you were always like that. Oh my God. Like, apparently, when I was younger, I'd be like, he's like, what do you want to be? And I'd just say, Famous, <laughs> like, but how? I'm like, I don't know how it's gonna happen. And I was like four or five. He's like, you didn't. It didn't matter. Like you're like, I'm just gonna be famous. Oh my god! Like I had no aspirations of how it was gonna be. But I was like, I, just, I know I'm gonna be famous. That's, that's, that's. And here we are. And the narcissism that like ensued. I mean, honestly, who do I think I am? Wow, what's well, just so amazing and empowering, though? You know, to to to, you know, to be like that. I mean. I would have been like that as a kid as well, like wanting to sing all the time and being, you know, I was one of eight kids and, you know, I was the middle child. So it was like, look at me. Yeah, I know. I'm the middle child as well. Yeah. But I think you either, it's in you or it isn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's in a lot of ways, like, I, I, like, I've, I love everything about media. I love TV. I love, like, I've just always been so, like, enamored by media and not because, well, obviously because of glamour and stuff as well. Of course I am. But it's also because of representation for me. I've never seen anyone that's like me on yes, screen. Yes. So a lot of my thing was like, I want to change that narrative. Sure. And I want to bring something else different. Because I've never had... Some people ask me, like, what's your... Who do you look up to? And I'm like, well, I, can't, I don't look up, up, up to anyone in the media because I haven't seen anyone like myself, mm. you know? Mm. And obviously this is, a, you know, a podcast. So for the for the, for the the listeners, do you want to explain the nature of your disability? Oh, yeah, geez, I'm just, geez, look at me. I'm like, I'm disabled. You all know who it is. <laughs> There's only one disabled gay in Ireland. <laughs> They're all like, geez, he's very up himself, isn't he? Um, I'm going to get controlled online now. <laughs> um, I have cerebral palsy. Okay. And it affects the movement within my legs. Right. And cerebral palsy is an umbrella term for, and like, cerebral palsy can be really severe yeah. and very mild. So yeah. I'm kind of middle of the road. Right. Okay. Um, and basically, if it affects, everyone thinks it affects the muscles in my legs. But yeah. actually what it does is the nerve ending from my head to my leg is slightly askew. So my messaging is slightly off. Right. So my body believes that this is the right way to walk okay. all the time. Okay. So my body is so compensated by this way of walking, even if they fix this part of my brain now, yeah. I wouldn't be able to walk normally. Wow. It's like crazy. But, you know, I mean, it's 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 your right way of walking, right? And yeah. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Is that, you know, what is normal? Like, I mean, every... And I suppose that's from a disability perspective. It's trying to change that narrative and yeah. sort of showing that actually everybody's different and everybody has their own way of being and everybody has some, you know, 
some maybe some form of disability or something that they're challenged by and it's just about trying to showcase that actually that's all okay and it's just part of life as yeah. opposed to it being different is that i mean am i putting too simple a point on it i or? mean obviously like sometimes you worry about like or like of course sometimes you're like god why me but you know yeah. mean you have to learn how to love this part of yourself yeah yeah. And I think I've 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 worked a long time to try and accept this part of myself. Yes. You know, and I think and that's where the documentary came from, should I be fixed? Because I've always felt like I'm broken in yeah. some way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say we could d- dig into that now, but it'd be good to kind of go back a go back a bit again, I suppose. So, so you know, obviously you you you're up there singing Molly Malone, but you know, and en- entering into your teenage years, you're sort of identifying as a you know as a as a gay, gay person, man, yeah. gay man, um, and you're going out on the the the, the scene, you know. Yeah. I mean, how is that? Because. That's a. Di- I have a lot, a lot of gay friends, and I know that that's a difficult p- thing to do, you know, for the, at the best of times. But yeah. when you have, you know, this tempestuous relationship with your dad, you don't have your mom, you've got disability, all of these other things that you sort of are having to navigate. Like, mm. how is that for? But then, how is it for you going out on the Dublin scene? You were, were you always as flamboyant as you oh are now? Oh God, no! <laughs> and you know what? I will always have an insecurity around my image and how I look. Right. Especially within the gay scene. I'm, I never felt attractive, really. And, it, and it's taken me a really, really long time to find myself attractive. And right. that voice is always in the back of my head. Right. Like everybody. But I think mine is slightly more amplified because of other um, other narratives going on as well yeah. around disability, around my body being different. You never see a disabled person looking desirable or mm. being desirable. Mm. And if we can't if we can't see that, then we can't believe sure. it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, for me to find my place in the gay world was very tough. Right. Um. I still I still feel like I haven't like. I think that I love the gay community and I think it's an amazing culture, but sometimes disability is kind of put to the background. Like there's no disabled floats for gay pride or mm. accessible floats for gay pride. A lot of our venues aren't very accessible mm. you know you don't see a disabled drag queen mm. like you know mm. and that's because we don't feel like we have a place within the community sometimes i mean i'm lucky and i'm privileged because i can walk around mm. but for someone in a wheelchair at gay pride i mean what do they do you know mm. and you don't really think about that do you no you don't um and i suppose you would probably think that the gay community is a very accepting community and one that you know is a very inclusive for all, for yeah. all. but i suppose that is a stereotype in its sense in itself as well but um it's just i suppose it's interesting though because i think disabled uh, people maybe disabled gay people maybe feel like that they are sort of hide away in the background yeah. and they don't want to kind of put themselves out there whereas for you from a young age you felt that you wanted to do that that you wanted to be a representative yeah it was in me it was in you you know but for others maybe the reason why there aren't so many representative representatives for you to look up to is because maybe they feel like that they they, they can't or they don't want yeah to. like i truly feel like i was meant to be disabled and people think yeah. that's crazy yeah and i and i just think crazy yeah you know but i do feel like I was meant to have this. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, okay, so you, you're still said you're finding your, finding your place. Um, talk to us about going on First Dates Ireland then in oh that God. context. Well, yeah, so, like, I was really fond of my place. Obviously, you know, I got really badly bullied in school as well. Yeah. You know, I, like, I didn't... 
all I wanted was acceptance from anyone and, any, and everyone. And, and you went to mainstream school after... Yeah, okay. from, from eight years old. Right, from eight years so, old. So, but all I wanted was external acceptance from anyone or any, everyone. And when I used to get with men or anybody, I, I wouldn't even have to fancy them. Right. It was all like, I'm just so happy that someone even wants me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I first went on the gay scene, that's what I felt like. Yeah. I I would get with anyone that gave me the slightest bit of attention. And we're all a bit like that when we're younger. Yeah. Maybe not all of us, but a lot of us, you know, yeah. we just want to feel desired and yeah. we want that dopamine hit. Sure. You know? Asher, listen, when I was going to teenage discos, it was like, how many snogs can you get in one night? And I know. It'd be like tallies. I got 15 snogs. How many did you catch? And I think it was also to prove a point, just, just because I'm disabled doesn't mean I can't yes. get with people. Yes. You yes. know, so that was amplified in my head. So I used to over-sexualise myself and my narrative to kind of compensate for the fact that I was disabled, but it wasn't really who I was, mm, do you know what I mean? Mm. So you felt like you were kind of like acting a part? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, but aren't we all acting a part all the time? Yeah. You know, but like I, I think if, I'm not that brash and I'm not that sexually expressive as in, as in everyday life. Yes. But... In that narrative, I felt like I had to put that across, so yes. it would kind of take away from the fact. Yes. That I'm just, rather than just owning my disability and like saying, "Yeah, this is who I am." But you know? I mean, that takes time. I yeah. mean, it takes time for everybody to to go through that. It takes time for people to understand who they are, and yeah. we're all experimenting and trying things out. And you mm-hmm. know, obviously, it's a it, it, it is more for you because there's a number of different things that you're navigating there in your in your youth. But I think I know. You know I didn't realize that Ariana until I went to counseling. They were like, Jesus, you've gone through trauma. Like, yes. losing your mom having this disability. My dad, like, there was a lot of trauma that went through my life, I suppose, I didn't really think about. Yes. And also, I suppose you also have this in you that you want to be this representative. Yeah. Without actually really understanding who you are yeah. in that. That's a really fair point. You know, when I, and I think that when I went on first dates, it was to show people that, because some people are like, oh no, it's great, people don't care about how you, who you are, they care about who you are as a person inside and all this, you know, like dribble that they, they spout off from a, from a, like a self-help book, essentially. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, in reality, people do see the crutches and yeah. people do have a narrative in their head, maybe <laughs> even subconscious about what that would may, may mean dating a disabled person so going on first dates was to prove to that narrative that like you know we are here we mm. can date mm. and and showcasing because i always think that everybody people think about they don't want to make us feel bad and they have kind of concerns around it but we have insecurities around it ourselves yeah you know yeah. what i mean yeah. so i wanted to share from that perspective it's it's interesting because I think, you know, if I see a disabled person in crutches, maybe my first instinct, and this is, let's just being totally honest mm. on this podcast, my first instinct is to maybe go, is to, is to pity, right? Is yeah. to go, oh, God love them, you know, that must be difficult to get around like that or whatever. Yeah. But there's a layer that you've created around you that my first instinct when I see you is not pity, but it's like... Crazy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> My first instinct is not going, oh, like, it's like, oh my God, fucking fair play to him. Like, yeah. he's, he's deadly. Like, look, look, look at him because oh, he's thank just. You. No, but it is. And, like, that's that's what you've created of yourself. And that is the, the, 
the, what you project is yeah. this in air of awesomeness, right? Oh, you know? dude, that, that's so lovely and honestly, like but I'm Irish, so I can't take the truth. I can't take the compliments, <laughs> but but I really do appreciate that. Do you yeah, know? and it makes me emotional a bit to hear that because you know for the longest time, I think right now. I've, I am the happiest I've ever been in myself. Yes. And I know who I am. Yes. But that's still take, that's taken a long, long time. Yeah. And like, that could change. You Absolutely. know, people can change. And, but right now in this moment, I feel good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I feel the exact same. I am the happiest that I've ever been. But I'm, I turned 41, you know, yeah. recently. And it takes, I know I always say, like, I'm loving the 40s. The 30s were amazing. The 20s were great. Yeah. But the older you get, the wiser you become and the more comfortable you become in your in own your skin. skin. That's the main thing, I think. Absolutely. And it just, that does just take time. And it does involve working on ourselves. You know, I, for the last six years, have worked for myself and I'm a, I'm, I'm a coach and I'm working with other people. And that has really helped me to do a lot of self-analysis and self-awareness yeah and you start to go oh the reason i was like this is like that is because of this or that and you start to like forgive yourself is probably the wrong word but you start to accept yourself and understand yourself yeah a lot more and then you can go into the future with this like air of 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 understanding and care for yourself yeah i mean honestly i have probably everyone probably thinks i'm because, like, like, I do do a lot of stuff, but in terms of financially, mm. this is probably the most unfinancially stable I've ever been. Right. But I'm the happiest probably I've ever been. Oh, my God. But, I, but I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'm telling me? people all the time, money does not bring you happiness. Yeah, which is crazy. Money does but it helps. It does help. Oh, it helps. But, I mean, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bring you... You have to just earn enough money... Exactly. ...to pay your bills and to cover your things. And then if you earn any more than that, that's a bonus. Right? Exactly. But it's crazy because you would have thought when you were younger... Because, you know, everyone wants that kind of, like, American dream. Yes. Like, white picket fence, you know. Yeah. Condo, Hamptons. But, like, like you know, I have I gave up those nine-to-five salaries to pursue this. Yes. And the uncertainty around that it can be sometimes really scary. Yeah. And I think the uncertainty around actually following your dream, because a lot of people are afraid, especially in Irish culture, to say they want to follow a dream. Yes. Especially this kind of dream. Yes. Because it feels like... You're an arsehole. You're a dickhead. <laughs> God forbid you work for something because you're meant to just fall into it. You know I mean, that's the kind of... But you work so hard yeah, at what and, you do. And, and no I, one sees. No one sees that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose it goes, it goes back to that very first question, what do you do? You, I mean, what do you describe yourself? I mean, I've seen you in interviews describe yourself as like a reality star. Yeah. Like a, like well, I think, yeah, it's funny. I think <laughs> I describe myself. I am a reality star in... Yeah. And obviously, I've been on many. I've been on a few reality shows, so you know I can't go on another. It's going to be embarrassing, and I can't go on another. I can't go on another dating one because that is no. I can't. I was asked to go on the undateables, and I was like, absolutely not. Wow! Oh gosh! Yeah. I mean, I do love on the undateables. I know. I just hate the word of it. I was again. I was on first dates, as I said to you the other night. I did a. Um, I, I had a date, but my episode never aired because um, they totally set me up. So basically, they set me up with everything that I said that I didn't want. He was an American Republican, Trump supporting, gun toting, you know, just stands right up your street. <laughs> And I think they just wanted me to be controversial and to, you know, like have this big kind of fight. Yeah. And I just didn't give them that. And then they said that they were going to move my episode to the following season. And I checked my contract and it, it was only for that season. So I said no. So a lot of people were disappointed because they were looking forward to seeing because I was in the promos and stuff yeah. like that, you know. Um, you were on first dates. I mean, do you, you did were, you get... Sorry, you would be a reality show dream. <laughs> 
really? Honestly, oh you just God. have that kind of air. Like you're a bit of you're a bit of chaos. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And to have to be a reality star, you have to you have to want to fly in that bit of chaoticness because you know. It's hard. I know. Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, I've, I I auditioned for The Apprentice a few times as well. And uh, I'm actually glad, though, you know, it, uh, it it's definitely... Look, and we'll talk about when we talk about The Circle, you know, you do leave yourself open to scrutiny when you go mm. on something like that. And there can be a lot of negative press that you mm-hmm. get from that. Uh, but off the back of first dates, you know, did you notice any shift in people's reaction to you? Did you notice, did you feel like there was a shift in relation to disability people being you know on the dating scene what, what you did you feel were you praised for anything in that way or how did that go yeah interesting question i mean no one slid into my dms so <laughs> you know everyone's always like people must be sliding into your dms left right and center i'm like i think i've got probably two slid into dms <laughs> i want more sliding into dms like if okay, i co- come on guys anyone listening to this like i would love the recognition of people sliding into my DMs, but no one ever does. Only when I put hot straight men on, but like, who's that? I think it's because mostly women follow me, right? And ga- well, gay men. Where are the gay men at? Um, but yeah, I got it. Definitely, first dates. I love the show. I would never take away from what it gave me. It definitely opened up the doors, and I'm so privileged and grateful that. I was on a show for 15 or 20 minutes and people still remember that I was on that show. I mean, that is a feat in itself. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, I walk down the street sometimes like, are you still with the fella? I'm like, guys, no. (laughs) Like, that was in 2017. Like, you know. Yeah. But, like, it's amazing to see the backing and, and, like, it definitely opened my eyes and gave me more confidence around dating. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um... And just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I will always be grateful for that moment. So before we talk about the circle then, you know, talk about the dating scene now. You you mentioned the other night when we were, when we oh were out. Airing my dirty secrets. <laughs> no, but you mentioned that how you're so happy being single at the moment. Love. And enjoying being single, yeah. Yeah, and I think actually going back to the first dates, I was so, so to be in a relationship. Mm. I felt like if I wasn't in a relationship, then I'm proving to everyone that disabled people can't be in relationships. Yeah. And that's no one's narrowed up on my own. No. no one ever said that to me. No. You know what I mean? And I felt like I'm, I had this innate need to prove to myself that I could be in a relationship, that, other, that someone wanted me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think when you're yearning like that for something, whether it be professionally or personally, it never works for you because you give off the energy of kind of slight desperation mm. you know mm. and I think for the longest time I was looking for someone else to love me but didn't love myself mm. and that's the hardest thing to realise mm. you know mm. that, I, that I was never kind to myself I, I like you know I never I wasn't my best friend yeah I was I, I was like I felt like a burden to on people mm. you know and you're also carrying this big weight of trying to be that representative that you want to be, trying to prove yeah. to everybody that this is, that, you know, that, that you know, disabled people, you know, can be in the limelight and can be famous. So you're carrying that weight while also trying to figure out who you who are. I am. Whilst I also trying to prove things to your dad as well. I know. Um, and that's, 
I hope you know now from the work that you've done, though, that it isn't your responsibility to 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 be that representative, but the fact that you are is immensely helpful and wonderful for, for yeah. so many people. I know that, and and I and I and thank you for saying that because I do sometimes feel that. Yeah, but I also think it's good to show the bad with the good. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And. I like I wanted this pedestal, yeah. but I just didn't know what to do with it, yes. or who I was, or what I was going to bring. Do you know what I mean? Like I always felt like I did have a voice, but I just didn't know what I wanted to say. Yes, and I felt like I didn't want to offend anybody, and I didn't like I didn't want people to not like me. Yeah. Where now I've at, after going to a lot of therapy, yeah. is that like it's okay to be marmite, and I actually am marmite probably. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like when I went to the circle the psychiatrist because you have to do a lot of tests and like 10 auditions it's not like you walk in I was going to a vigorous ten and like psychiatric tests and stuff like that mm. this is probably after like Judy Care had to come up do you mm. know what I mean so they were like to me this, the, the, the psychiatrist like so like Patty, just getting to know you like I would say you surround yourself with people that are very like minded to you yeah mm. that's what most people do yeah. he was like but you're quite marmite as a person and I was like, what do you mean? He's like, not everyone's going to like you. They were like, because your, your point of view is quite... Because I was saying, I'm going to use my disability to win the show. Right. And he's like, that won't sit well with everybody. You know what I mean? That, 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 kind of st- that kind of like really, I suppose, one-way point of view of how to how you're looking at things isn't always going to be how everyone looks at things, Mm. you know? Mm. And that was a really big lesson for me. So was he saying then that you were surrounding yourself with, like, with also more of my people? Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so isn't that funny? So then it didn't really... But when I put myself on the circle, he was like, you know, it won't be the case. So tell people about the circle, because if listeners are listening who don't know it, or, yeah, just explain what it is. So essentially... um, they used to coin it the new big brother because it was all around social media. Mm. So you can go into you go into a block of apartments, but you're all separated, and you speak and conversate through an app called the Circle. But you can be anyone you want to be on there. Mm. So I could have been you, Ariana. Mm. Do you know what I mean whoever you think is going to be the most popular player on there can win? So it kind of combines an element of the sort of ca- catfish. catfish it's kind of catfish meets Big Brother yes. with a social media element. Right. Wow. Okay. So then. So you're in there by yourself. You're yeah. in, and and, had, and for how many days again? Or is it? So I was meant to be a bombshell. Hilarious. Right. <laughs> uh, so I went in ten days late. Okay, right. And you st- were in there for. I was total? in there for three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah. Wow. But it was. It's really hard to go in as a late player. Right. But like, look, I did it. You won, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think. I learned, I've understood myself now. I, I was I was angry and I went in to prove a point. Do you right. know what I mean? And, and I do still and, start... And I, just to explain, when you initially went in, you were representing yourself as someone else. No, no. I was representing myself, but not with my disability. But not with your disability. No. Because right. I liked the aspect that I could actually... Because everyone sees my disability when they first see, meet me. Yes, yes. Sir. So I liked the aspect that I could t- control mm. that. Because I don't know if you're depressed until you tell me. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know if you have a neurological disease that, like... I can't see, mm. but you have to tell me, mm. or I don't have that control. Mm. You all see mine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Was so. that an interesting experiment for you in terms of seeing how people reacted to you without yeah. your disability when you've been your your disability has been so much at the forefront? Part of my identity, yeah. I know. Yeah. So 
it's funny, it actually gave me more of an eye-opening experience than the people. I actually didn't know who I was without it. <laughs> I felt so muted without the disability, which actually was a really, like a, a like a real big moment, yeah. light bulb moment for me, that like, I didn't know who I was without it. I felt really like, like kind of unstable or something. Yeah. I d- like, and it just showcased how much of my, ad- of how much of my identity is actually wrapped in this disability and the prism of how I look at the world yeah. and how I think people look at me is all through the, through the like lens yeah. of, of this condition. And, I think that was the moment I was like, Jesus, I wouldn't know who I am without it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And people think that's crazy. And it is. But my whole narrative was like, people look at my disability as a weakness. And I'm going to show you it can be a strength. Yeah. And like, you know, showcase a different narrative than you're used to with disabled people. Mm. You know, and, mm. I, and, I, and I still stand by that. Um, you know, and I... When you go on a reality show as well, you're only seeing a certain aspect of what the producers want you to see, mm. as you know. Mm. You know, and it was me, but it was a, it was a version of me that, like you know, sometimes I wasn't happy with, mm. and sometimes I am happy with. But I still stand by my storyline of why I wanted to come in there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And how many days into it then did you reveal your disability? Or did um, I I think about four or five. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you went on to win. Yes, <laughs> congratulations! I did. Thank you. Yeah, so it was like what a hundred thousand. It was uh, seventy thousand pounds. Seventy thousand pounds, right? Prize yeah. money, and you know, you come out to this sort of great acclaim. It was, it was, it was a strange time there because it was kind of coinciding with COVID yeah. times. And so the difference with this, Ariana, and I've had to do a lot. Of, I, I came out and I had really, really bad imposter syndrome. I felt like I shouldn't have won the show, mm. and. I suppose I was naive because I, I did a lot to win the show. You know, it's 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 like the circle is a really big mind game and you have no you've no one to volley off your opinions. Like I can't springboard off, Oh Ariana, what do you think about Cassie there? Mm. Like the way she said that, would you have thought that? Mm. Do you know I mean do you think the way she said that was like all you're going off is your own mind. Mm. You're thinking, Oh my god, you've no one else to kind of like I can't say to you, This is how I took that up. What do you think? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where like, you know when you can do that and then you, people can calm you down or they can make you see a different point of view. You can't see that. So that's... And, and just on the point of people thinking that you being a reality star or what you do is like bullshit because you don't work hard for your money. Like, Try putting yourself in that position yeah. you know, to anyone out there listening. That's hard that you are constantly willing to put yourself into places where you're going to have absolute mindfucks like that and trying to then have to figure out a whole load of different things, layers of different things, yeah. also around who you are, the psychological tests, all of those kinds of things. Yeah. That's 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 the 70,000 quid hard earned. <laughs> I know, and like I will tell you, the main producer came in to me when it was the final nine and she goes, where do you think you lie in that final nine, Paddy? And I was like, God, pretty low, to be honest. <laughs> she was like, yeah, because you're a game player. Right. So start playing the game. And in that one moment, I was like, do you think I'm boring? Oh, my God. And I started thinking, dude, mad shit. Like, I was like, you want to see games? I'll show you games. <laughs> but it shows you that the producers do have a way of, you know, she didn't make me do anything. Yes. But that conversation changed my whole psyche of how I was like oh my god like and it's crazy I'll, I'll never forget that moment when she walked in the room because it was the head producer 
Like, I knew, I was like, oh, shit. Wow. I mean, but that, like, they do want a certain, they wanted that part of me out, and they knew it was in there. Do you Mm. know what I mean? And I was probably being a bit too muted Mm. for them. Mm. Well, let me tell you, I made up for it, but... um, Yeah, so, look, I really enjoyed this. I would never take it away. It's definitely given me a platform and a privilege that I can, like, now do what I want to do and write shows. It it gets me to the table, but I definitely went through a lot of depression. And, you know, I didn't... I thought it was going to be a washed-up reality star because I came out of the show thinking because I won the show, people would love me. Do you mean that that wasn't the case? Really? You know, I it was it was very as the producer as the psychiatrist, it was very it was very marmite. marmite. Yeah. People either loved it or hated it. And did you find yourself being recognised a lot more in the UK? Yeah, as well. So yeah. was that a big thing for you? Yeah, well, it was ma- major. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I came out to ten thousand hate mails, being like, "You only one because you disability, you're disgusting." Wow. You know, I, I had lost my dad in that time as well, so it was a really tough kind of like mentally draining moments and I felt like were the I'm disability just, community against you or were like, some of them some yeah some of them yeah yeah thinking that like I kind of like the way I looked at this was really badly done but it's how you you can but like I'm want. able to look at it as I want so yeah. people use their if you're good at maths you use maths to be your thing yeah just because I use something that you look at it as a vulnerability doesn't mean it couldn't be a strength yeah do you know what I mean it's mine to use do you know what I mean yeah and I was never shy about what I was doing. It yeah. wasn't like I was sitting there and I was like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. Like, mm. I'm not telling people. I'm mm. trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. Mm. One thing I do stand by is I was telling everyone along the way what I was doing. Mm. But it's just, I think, look, any reality show, and it's, and it's, yeah. it's not right, but, you, you you know, you leave yourself. I mean, I, re- I remember I watched the very first Big Brother. I was a big fan of it. I was a Same. big fan. Same, you used know. to watch it, and, it, like, you'd watch some sleep. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And, you know, Mel and Tom and the red shorts and, you know, but then, like, I remember, you know, the Jade Goody era and, like, oh the, God, the, 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 the hate that she had and the front page of the sun with the pig and, you know, all of this was, you know, was just, I mean, crazy. And, I mean, you see it now with the Love Islanders to a certain extent, but, you know, you do, you do, like, play with fire when you oh, are, absolutely. are, are, are coming in, in, into You're something like that. absolutely right. And I would never say like it's part of the it's part of what you sign up for yeah it is yeah but sometimes i think you're naive to how it's going to affect you yeah a hundred percent look i mean look i feel so sorry for trolls in the you know to, to put that out there i i was thinking god it wouldn't be great to create some sort of like alcohols anonymous but for trolls like it's mm. trolls anonymous because they're they're very sad oh my god imagine i signed up to trolls anonymous <laughs> I signed up to Trolls Anonymous. Hello, my name's Ariana and I'm a troll. Hello. I, <laughs> I mean, they're bloody anonymous anyway, so, oh you know. Or imagine you saw somebody, they're all hiding you their saw pictures. somebody new in there. It's like seeing someone in an STI clinic. You're like, <laughs> you're like, you don't say it if I don't say it. <laughs> Just like both giving each other the eyes as you walk in. You're like. <laughs> with your hair just yeah. like pointy like a little troll that uh, is brilliant <laughs> but um yeah i do i just feel so sorry for them they're also at sorry you know people and you know they're they, some of them are addicted to it and it's it's you know it's it's, it's their outlet it's, it's their outlet exactly and i just roll my eyes and see it but 
you know, the sadness I, about it is they're getting the right lip by making other people feel better. A hundred percent. And I can't, you know, you know, I like when I was traveling last year, there was an article in the Irish Times and somebody wrote one comment on it calling and they called me um, unsufferable. Right. Yeah. And I was like traumatized by this one <laughs> comment. <laughs> and every other comment was great. Every other comment was great. But I was like, I was, you know, thinking about that, thinking like, yeah, like to have 10,000 emails from you. I mean, that's a lot to deal with. So like, well done you, yeah. because, you know, that's, it, it's, I don't think people sort of maybe appreciate that enough. They will go, oh yeah, but you won and you're great and you're fabulous. But yeah. also, you also overcome a huge amount of adversity by 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 by, by having to deal with all of that. Yeah, so and I just want to say as well, it is nuanced. Like, like I did have a lot of love. I just think, yeah. as you just pointed yeah. out, you do focus on the hate. 100%. And I think that, um, I was just naive to think that... I, that wouldn't affect me, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I think I, I thought it was going to be different. I thought winning that show would have changed my life to, like, different levels. Yeah. And it just didn't. And yeah. then I lost my dad and a lot of things happened. So, like, I look at myself now and I'm like, that's my problem. Mm. My perception of what was going to happen mm. didn't happen. Mm. So then I brought myself down that hole. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I have no one to blame mm. on that but myself. And I accept that and I put my hands up mm. and I stand with it. But I also, out of that kind of dark time, came the BBC and came actually me starting to write. And that's where I feel happiest, when I'm writing concepts, when I'm, you know. And I'm going to create an amazing segue here now because, right, I think it's interesting that maybe you put an emphasis on winning a show like that, like fixing some of the issues that you... (laughs) Oh my God! Sorry! Oh my god, I'm getting therapy here. You're absolutely right. I thought it was going to be a fix. Yes. So you thought it was going to be something that was going to be fixing something. And when it wasn't, you know, you're then having to go, oh god, you're having to then look again at yourself and redress, yeah. like, what is that? And then even more so because there's all these other. So, segueing into, you know, should I be fixed? Yeah. Which was the incredibly powerful BBC documentary that you created. Um, tell us about that. So yeah, absolutely the segue is right. I thought that winning reality show in my life would be made and I would have fixed kind of my insecurities mm. by 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 being now a star of reality TV and being able to kind of springboard off that. And mm. that wasn't the case. And I went into COVID and then that happened and then I was on my own in COVID. Mm. And I just, I really, and I didn't want people to know that I was upset because I felt ungrateful because mm. I won the show. Oh, Paddy. So, and I didn't want people, them to know, the channel not to know how bad I was because I felt like they're going to be actually thinking, he, he, I'll need like really, like I just didn't, it's a very Irish thing. You know, I, I didn't want them to know how much it affected me. Mm. Like, because I didn't want to admit to myself that I wasn't. And it's so stupid. Anyone else that ever feels don't like that I wasn't strong enough. Mm. And that's the thing that my dad gave to me from a very young age. Like, you only go to therapy if you're not strong enough to mm. deal with it on your own. Mm-hmm. Like this mm. really old school Irish mm. masculine mentality. Yeah, but you know what? Like back in the day, uh, you know, just to just to give your your dad his kudos there, yeah. you know, like. My aunt was a psychiatric nurse down in Banlaslow for 29 years and any mention of any kind of nerves being shot or illness, you were like literally put into an asylum yeah. and then you were just forgotten about and you were become institutionalised and it was like any sign of madness was seen as a bad yeah. and it would be seen as 
you know, a bad thing on the family, right? So yes. there is a level of sort of protection, I suppose, that that, that that generation are trying to do, which is, that is thankfully, thankfully not the case anymore and that we are able to talk yeah. about it a lot more, you know. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just a misguided sense of protection. Yeah, so, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. And sorry, I'm not like bashing my dad. No, no, not at all. No, not at all. I'm, but no. <laughs> my mom's listening to this. No, like, geez. no, no. And I just, uh, you know, that's yeah, why I, th- right. I, 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 I think sometimes we we look at the sins of the past and we yeah. don't understand them in the modern way. And the modern way, thankfully, allows us now to be much more open about having therapy and going to a coach and doing all of those yeah. things, which is hugely beneficial and hugely helpful. So, you know, but so you're, you know, you're in that time, you're in that dark time yes. and you're afraid. And I can understand that, you know, I've, I've said to people, cause I'm quite a strong, independent people, mm. uh, independent person. And whenever there's been times in my life where I felt that there was something that was going to be a challenge, I have advocated for myself and said to friends and family, I'm going to need you to check in on me just that little bit more That's during amazing. that time because I know that I'm going to be bravado and all. Everything's fine. Everything's right. Everything's wonderful when mm. potentially it's not, you yeah. know? And I think if you know that you're that kind of person, you do have to advocate for yourself yeah, a little bit. You're right. Absolutely. But I think in that time, I just didn't know what my next move was going to be. Yeah. And sometimes... And this is the bad part of reality TV. Sometimes, like, when you go on reality TV, you're kind of shot yourself in the foot because what do you do now? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If it hasn't worked, if it hasn't done, you know, if you're, yeah. if the people aren't knocking at the door yeah. with jobs for you, yeah. what's the next? Yeah. Like, what do you do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's how I felt. I'm like, what do I do now? Like, yeah. And I just then started, do you know what I did? Like, well, I don't know what happened. Something just clicked to me one day. And I just started writing, and I, and I just started writing concepts, writing shows, and I think it was a bit of therapy for me. Mm. You know, I wrote mm. half a book mm. about like kind of my my thoughts. Oh, I'd love to read that. Um, on it, and it was called like I'm so fucking special, which was obviously <laughs> an oxymoron because I felt like I was so unspecial. Love it. Um, and it was all about kind of like growing up, always feeling, having this need to be something. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um. And have you yeah. ever approached you know Ryanair or Lingus about being you know a full time in house cabaret star? Oh my god, imagine! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, I don't know if you know, I sang uh, Molly Malone when I was five instead of that. You arrived, it's just Patty Smith at the top of every flight singing, Welcome to Dublin, in Dublin, fair city. Where the girls are so pretty. And the boys. And the yeah. boys are so pretty too. I would love to do a video of that. Could you imagine? Cause I, my dad used to dress me in suits, guys. Like, he must have been like, oh, God, Jesus. Um, but yeah, so then I started writing. And then I actually started putting my own proposals together. Yeah. And like selling myself to rants. You know what I mean? Because I was like, no one can sell me like I can sell me. Yeah. So... It was also a bit feeling sorry for myself and self-loathing and going into that kind of like, I suppose, downward spiral of like, nothing's going to work out anymore, no one likes me. You know, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the biggest thing I learned is like, you know, stop waiting around. Yes for something to happen which is the premise of this podcast can i just say that we have to stop waiting around for other people or other things yeah. to come knocking on or, the door or people to make us happy people to make us happy we have to go out into the world and just do things on our own and yeah. be brave enough to do things on our own which you have done multiple yeah. times and that's why you're here as a guest on this podcast thank you 
<laughs> um, but yes, that's the version I've been fixed up and born out of. Yes. So tell us about the documentary. So it's looking at, ever since I was younger, I've always felt like my family want to fix me because of my disability mm. or society wants thinks I'm broken mm. in some way. Mm. So I wanted to look at the scientific advances available to me for cerebral palsy because I started to realise... Jesus, there's so many scientific advances in medicine through COVID, mm. you know, because we had to do that, you know, like, because obviously that was really, sho- like, shoved down our throats. I was like, what about the scientific advances available for my condition? Because I don't, I'm so okay with my condition, I was never even looking up what was out there mm. for me. Mm. Because when you're, when you're an adult with cerebral palsy, you can't really do much. It's only when you're a kid, you have a window. Mm. So I was like, what, what do we have now? Maybe, maybe like, medicine has come forward sure but i was like actually though also look looking at the question would i want to fix it now mm. because it's such a big part of my identity which mm. i've realized mm. through going on the circle that i wouldn't even know who i am anymore without mm. it mm. and that's a that's a weird question mm. isn't it because mm. you would just logically think of course but also who am i to say if my seropology wasn't some more severe that i would feel different mm. do you know what i mean mm. so i talked to doctors about what what medicines and treatments are available to me i talked to an identical twin who's jenny mcshane jenny mcshane who i used to work with actually yeah jenny was deputy editor of mummy pages when i worked there and yeah she's amazing isn't she yeah amazing yeah tell them about her so she's an identical twin but her twin doesn't have cerebral palsy and she does so jenny can always see what she would have been yeah and i think that is such a fascinating kind of narrative to have you know um She's amazing. And then I speak to my sister, who is my mom's biological daughter. So, like, it's from... from I wanted to see from my mom's point of view yes. how she felt. So she's 18 years my senior, my, my sister. Yeah. And she talks about kind of what my dad and mom felt when they saw, you know, mm-hmm. what they went through. Because a lot of times it's on the parents mm-hmm. to make these decisions. But I... That was the journey I went on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I then I asked a question: Would I want to fix myself? And I'm not going to tell you it's because I want you to watch. Yeah. But yeah, it got it's ten th- minutes long, and I wish it was longer. Thank I you. Really well, do. hopefully like, it will. It's going to really? be a, it's a pilot. Okay, amazing. So it got featured on BBC News, which is amazing. That didn't have to happen. Brilliant. They decided to pick it up. So the better it does, the more uh, like chance we have for disabled content to be more approachable and be commissioned and. Yeah, hopefully I get... It's so ch- such a... Because, you know, you mentioned the Undateables and that, you know, and I love the Undateables. It's a great show. But it almost pokes fun at, at disability. It a does, bit. you feel it, sorry it, for them. Yeah. Whereas I think something like what, what your show is, it was immensely thought-provoking and inspiring and, and interesting in, in the sense of the advances in, in medicine and how that is. And, you know, as, as we're sitting here, and, and you've mentioned a few times, I don't know who I'd be without my disability, and I'm looking at you thinking you would still be, you know, a fabulous, flamboyant yeah. gay man who is, you know, because, you know, I look at you and Rob Kenny and James Cavanaugh and, you know, you're, you're these incredible, similarly, similar kind of personality people. But then... Every time I think that, I go, well, maybe he wouldn't be because actually his disability was what was pushing him to be yeah. out there in Fabus. And it was creating this mask, as we say, oh, for you. And maybe that wouldn't have been there if he didn't have yeah, could have been. It's so, it's so, it is, it's, you know, it's a sliding doors thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know like I mean? that gave me fire. It really gave me a push. Yeah. And I don't know who I would have. But maybe would, 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 be would I have been that driven without it? Yeah. Would I have been that driven to prove a point without it? No, exactly. 
Do you still feel like you have points to prove? With, after um, with myself. With your dad? With myself. Like, okay. Okay. Not with my dad anymore. And, you know, I... Jesus, like, yeah, it's, it's a weird... I think it's a very weird thing to admit to yourself yeah. that a lot of your drive was for of the wrong reasons I yeah. suppose <laughs> I mean, yeah. but like that can only get you so far now it's such a did that die with him do you think or did it was it something that you had maybe proven before he passed away I think it died with him yeah do you? yeah yeah like geez I love my dad and like he's made me the person I am sure today but I don't know if he meant to do you know what I mean yeah that's interesting but like I would never I wouldn't be sitting here today without him yeah do you get what I mean yeah which yeah. is like it, it's that's a it's a nuanced mm. kind of like I suppose level of understanding because without him pushing me or without him kind of underestimating me, I probably wouldn't have mm. been so. Mm. But I think a lot of people have that. Absolutely, a lot of people do have that, and I think you you probably have a lot of these thoughts, mm. and maybe you think that these thoughts are, are directly correlating yeah. with your disability instead of actually realizing that everybody has these. That's thoughts, what I mean. Yeah, you know, and like you're not so special, Patty. Yeah, <laughs> get off your high horse, pads. We all have daddy issues. I'm like. <laughs> Which is so true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know me, but like I think that yeah, sometimes you're you're so self absorbed in your own orbit. Totally, totally. But, um, and, and, I, you, and I wouldn't think that anymore. Like no. now, it's like I just want to do things because I enjoy them. Yeah. And I think that there's a I I feel lighter and more free, and you know I don't want like I actually don't want to be with someone right now. I, yeah. I love being single. I love my own time. You know. Yeah. Like, I love nothing more than watching TV and just sitting down and talking to no one. And don't come at me when I'm talking, watching my shows. <laughs> and, you know, I know you're being, you know, enjoying the solo single life at the moment. But do you know what you said before was that you kind of felt like you were, you know, you were craving that attention and mm. that you were sort of, you know, lucky to be with people. Do you feel, I hope you feel now that anybody would be fucking lucky to be with you. I look, it's, it will always be in the back of my head. Yeah. That voice. But I think it's in the back of everyone's head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can, I can control it better now. Yeah. Um, and it's that this part of me, it's so deeply seated in an insecurity. Yeah. Like that's, it's always going to be there, but I'm definitely, I've definitely like lessened the voice yeah. in the head, and I definitely feel more confident in myself and feel that my energy has slightly shifted. Hundred percent. I mean, look, I I get it all the time, and you know, the very first episode of this pod, podcast is, you know, why are you still single? You know, I I get it all the time. I've been single for a huge part of my life, mm. and for a huge part of my life, I would question what's wrong with me. Like, why? Yeah. Why does no one want to be with me? Like, you know, but it's not about that. It's about it's about ourselves and exactly. where we are in our own life and what we want and how happy we are. And it's not that we a single person has to do work on themselves in order to find someone. It's not no. about that. It's just being happy with where you are at in your life and, and, and what you're doing. And and speaking of what you're doing, you recently got a slot on television. Paddy's I TV did. Picks. I did. Tell us quickly about that. I love, I love, um, I love, I can't believe it happened. I think I manifest that into existence. Well, this is you it. Know, Manifestation I, works, people. I, I'm really into, I used to be a crack shite, imagine. <laughs> As if, and now I'm at the top of that train, top of that gravy train, with my with, with my goals, <laughs> manifesting like man- manifesting before I go to sleep. Oh, but I swear, this year I was like, I really want to get a TV slot. Yeah, I said I would love to do it around TV yeah. because TV is 
like if I could put on my Tinder bio, like <laughs> I just love to watch TV. That's my favorite pastime without being like I'm. He's a lazy slot. <laughs> then I would. But um, I at the beginning of the year this year said that I wanted to do more podcast, radio work, and uh, speaker slots, and here we are. There you go. You know, manifestation works. I'm yeah, telling no. you. So to, yeah, so you're on yeah the six, six o'clock show. every Friday and. I do my top TV picks of the week. Amazing. So I watch about 15 hours of TV. Wow. Amazing. Which is great. Jesus. So I get paid to watch TV, which is just, I mean, it's my dream in life. Wow. Um, I really, really love it. The Six O'Clock Show is a really, it's such a lovely place to work for. Yeah. But they literally gave me, I um, I sent on to see could I get like a little bit of promo for my BBC doc. Mm. And they just ran me back and were like, would you like to screen test for... Um, a contributor like wow. that's literally how it happened wow wow yeah man it's literally- top TV pick this week was three hours of the Oroctus Pack Committee which I was glued to <laughs> the RTE scandal oh my oh god oh my god anyway that's a whole other podcast look I won't be in the top 100 pays anyway <laughs> I'm Virgin Media yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Paddy, this has been such an, an amazing uh, conversation. I've really loved the chat, and it's been so interesting to hear about all of the many things that you've gotten up to, the journey that you've been on, and look forward to continually seeing the journey that is to come, um, which is you know even more exciting knowing that 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 there's been that work that you've done on yourself and that you're in a, a, a happy place and an exciting place and I'm sure many more opportunities are going to continue to come your way um, and I'd love to see more from this BBC so let's try and uh, let's try yeah let's everyone watches <laughs> I've no chill <laughs> I was literally emailing everybody that I knew I was like hey guys it's me <laughs> Yeah, oh my you God. really know who your true friends are in those moments oh, because absolutely. I've been left unseen many times. And that haven't I won't say any names, but <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> um, so, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram. Yes, um, Paddy, Paddy Smith. Y Smith, but everything is with a Y. So yeah. Smith with a Y, Paddy yeah. with a Y. So it's an extra Y. So Paddy Y Smith. Okay, and then you can find me on Twitter, the same name. Yeah. And if you want to go to BBC News and watch my entry, it's called Shall I Be Fixed? Amazing. You know? And then every Friday... Um, every Friday, 6 o'clock show. show. Yeah. Um, probably and bopping away in the George. Sometime. Yeah, bopping away in the George. <laughs> Slut dropping away. <laughs> Slut dropping away in the George. That's where you'll see me. Uh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. You're a, a, a fantastic guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you.